Speaking of interesting, I'm joined by new, well, newish Green Party co-leader James Shaw. Good morning, James. Good morning. How are we today? Very well, thank you. Welcome to sunny Dunedin. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's fabulous out there right now. It is. Yes, I'm enjoying it immensely. You're on the road doing a bit of a, is it a bit of a get to know me type deal? Yeah, something like that. After I got elected to the co-leadership, Matiria and I decided that we would do a tour of the country, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. co-leader tour 2015, uh, and and that is about you know we are a, a reconfigured uh, new leadership team. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, of course uh, Matiria is not here today because she's on back. She was on back benches last night, uh, and she's you know, from Dunedin. We know her pretty well. So yeah. I mean, if there's any stop you could have missed. Uh, she could have missed. I should say it's it's this one. She's going to be here for part of the day, but yeah, she yeah. couldn't she couldn't make it down at this early in the morning. Mm-hmm, mm. All right. Um, now you're in Parliament for less than a year before uh, becoming co-leader. Yeah, well, it'll be coming up a, a year this weekend. Yeah, yeah, actually. So I mean, although you had uh, stood before, that must have been you know. Did you think when you went into the leadership race that you had a chance? Do you think, well, you know, they don't really know me, the constituents don't really know yeah, me? Yeah, I, I wouldn't have stood if I didn't think I had a chance. But I, when I when I chucked my hand mm. in the ring, I only gave myself about a 10 to 20% chance. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've run on long odds before. <laughs> um, and when you did come in, uh, when you um, won the uh, internal election, I guess you could say, um, the Greens, uh, you came out and said you want to make the Greens more like modern New Zealand. What do you mean by that? Well, it's about building a, a really broad membership base uh, and ensuring that the members of parliament that we've got uh, reflect a, you know, a broad cross-section of society. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've been criticised in the past for not having, uh, you know, enough diversity in terms of ethnicities, uh, in terms of professions. So one of the things I've said is, you know, I really want us to have our first Asian MPs, our first Pacifica MPs. I want us to have, you know, lawyers and engineers and farmers and, you know, all of that to, mm-hmm. a, as well to kind of round out the, the team that we've got. And I want our membership to grow uh, and to grow into communities that we traditionally haven't had a lot of strength in. Yeah, I mean, Middle New Zealand, essentially what the middle was, is the centre. And the Middle New Zealand is almost essentially a centrist type type people. Do you mean you also want to take um, the Green Party to more of a central step? No, I I find the whole left-right-centre thing oversimplistic and actually a pretty poor description. Like most people don't identify themselves as right-wing voters or left-wing voters. They just have things that they vote for mm-hmm. um, and and things that they don't vote for. Yeah. Uh, and so it's not, it's actually not about, um, you know, kind of shifting us to some kind of mythical centre. Yeah. Uh, it is, but it is about saying to those, you know, very many New Zealanders who actually quite like the Greens but struggle to vote for us for one reason or another, what are your concerns and how do we take, how do we remove those concerns so you do what you've always wanted to do which is to vote for us yeah <laughs> yeah I mean but there is a fear that um, people don't necessarily vote for policy anymore no, well I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that they ever did to tell you the truth <laughs> uh, people say that they vote for policies but actually uh, analysis after analysis says that actually the, the most important thing to them uh, is the values and the trust that they place in, in, the, in those people who are standing to you know frankly to run the country mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and so if you connect at the level of values and, and so on um, then policies kind of come next most people don't really engage with specific policies um, now you come from a business background uh, and for many on well many of your core voters the greens um, they can sit kind of uneasy and do you do you see that kind of hindering the party or you know do you think you've got a lot of work to do well I um, 
they elected me, right? So yeah, they kind of been that uneasy. Yeah. Um, but if if you if you look at the work that I did, I first joined the Green Party in 1990, mm -hmm. uh, which was the year it was formed. Mm -hmm. uh, and my whole career has been in the business world, but it has always been about advancing the sustainable development agenda in the world yeah. of business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and that, that you, you can say sustainability, but you still that that word business is still there, and that's still you know. It, kind of scary oh yeah so the greens i mean we we believe in a mixed economy right mm -hmm. um and so what that means is that there is a thriving uh, and healthy business sector um you know I, one of the one of my frustrations was that uh you know doing the work that i was doing that there were a lot of businesses that wanted to become more sustainable or less unsustainable depending on your point of view uh but the, the sort of the odds were stacked against them by you know regulation taxation incentives and so the rewards always went to the short-term thing who weren't making those investments and so on. So I'm, my job is, frankly, I think it's about making it easier for businesses that want to do the right thing to do so. Yeah, but does the right thing cost money? Because that's not good to shareholders. People always talk about, uh, especially in New Zealand, and this drives me absolutely batty, um, about how it's always a cost. It's an investment, right? And in, in a lot of cases, mm -hmm. it saves you, a, you know, a truckload of money. So yesterday, Air New Zealand announced that you know they, they're doing this massive push for sustainability. They want to get into biofuels, all this kind of thing. They're moving their ground vehicle fleet to electrics, like it's a big agenda for them. And uh, one of the things that they're doing is every air, air, every time they replace a, one of their jumbo jets with a newer jumbo jet, it's about 20 to 24 percent more fuel efficient, right? Yeah. That's good for the climate, and it saves them a boatload of money because the most expensive thing that they've got is is um, aviation fuel. Yeah, I mean, but that's—I mean—that's the planes that are on the market anyway. So I mean, that's 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 a fourth thing. Well, they are, but the the airline industry globally has made a commitment uh, to start mm. reducing its emissions, um, and so they actually are being forced to yeah. uh, have to come up with you know new technologies that that drive carbon emissions out of their out of their business. It's good. I mean, New Zealand can afford it. It's good, which is really, I can't believe they made such a, such a huge profit. Yeah, they did. They did pretty well. <laughs> they did yeah. really bloody well. Yeah. Um, now, um, speaking of like uh, envir the environment, of course, um, you've got a new climate change policy. Uh, it calls for a ditch of the uh, emissions trading scheme. I mean, this has been uh, the, the scheme. It's been a mess for a very long time um, and you want to introduce a revenue neutral carbon tax uh, which calls for um, to ta it's a tax on uh, industry polluters um, but you've included a five-year exemption for farmers in this um, essentially that is a tax payer subsidy to farmers and that's something that um, New Zealand hasn't really you know we've moved away from that you know it's a it's something that the Americans done for a long time well essentially you know most of the time but you know so they're the highest earning sector in the country. Yeah. You know, why should we be subsidising them when, um, you know, if why should rich or poor people be subsidising farmers? Yeah. So what we're saying is that um, what you want to do is you want to reduce your emissions by 40% uh, by the year 2030, right? Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the big goal. Yeah. Uh, and in New Zealand, the government and others, uh, but particularly the government, keep saying oh, we can't do any better than we are because agriculture is this big bogeyman, right? You can't touch agriculture. Um, and, and because agriculture is about half our emissions, it just means that, you know, we're kind of stuck, right? Mm -hmm. And the discourse doesn't move beyond that. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to demonstrate that actually you can, in New Zealand, have a 40% reduction in your emissions trading scheme, even if 
you to treat agriculture with kid gloves. Now, that's not our first preference. Our first preference is to treat everyone equally and get everyone into the scheme at the same time at the same price and all, all of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the point of what we were saying is, look, if, agric- if the country cannot move beyond agriculture, right, if you just say, look, you can't do it, then what we're saying is actually you can. You, you, there are ways of doing it. If you look at our waste emissions, for example, we're one of the worst emitters in the world for mm-hmm. waste. Mm-hmm. And it would be quite a simple thing for us to reduce our emissions by about 70% in the waste area. You know, you could cut them in half in transport, which frankly, given where electric vehicles are going, I think is actually conservative. So, yeah, it's all it's all doable, and that, that was the point of the paper that we were releasing. But, I mean, why a five-year grace period at all? I mean, eventually they're going to have to do it anyway, so, so why uh, give them time? Because it's not like if you brought it in, it's not like it would be bang in there straight away. It, you, you'd take, uh, it would take a long time to write, the, write it all out, get it through yeah. the law, the Oh well, there's there's a yeah. So uh, the later we leave it, uh, this is going to sound a bit weird. The later we leave it, the sooner they would have to enter the scheme, right? Mm -hmm. So the sooner we come up with this, that that, you know that five-year grace period gets shorter and shorter and shorter. Yeah. But anyway, um, the. there's a few things. So one of the one of the best ways that farmers can reduce their emissions is by going organic, right? Mm-hmm. Because it means that you're not using um, you know nitrates and phosphates and all that sort of jazz. So that takes three years uh, as a process to get going. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the the main part of the the scheme that we're, what we're saying is is that what we want um, uh, agriculture to do is to reduce their emissions by 2.2 megatons by the year 2030. Now. Their emissions could go up in the meantime, mm-hmm. as long as by the year 2030, they're, they're 2.2 megatons lower than they are today. That's actually the goal, right? That's yeah. actually what needs to happen. So kind of what happens between here and there, that, like the specifics of that aren't as important as actually making sure that you get to that goal. Yeah. It, it, they, they might not even need to come into the, um, into the tax scheme at all if they kind of go, oh, well, in order to avoid that, we're just going to reduce our... Uh, re- you know, reduce our emissions. What well, makes sense to go organic anyway? I mean, o- organic milk is getting a premium at the moment. Uh, yeah, it's about five times higher yeah. than regular milk. And um, Frontier is actually trying to introduce a scheme that if you do, we'll give you a 30% um, uh, top up on on your payout while, while you're uh, transferring to organic as yeah. well. So they're trying to... Um, f- they're trying to encourage it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah which yeah. is fantastic. Now it's taken them a while. <laughs> well, you know, like you were saying, things take a while uh, sometimes. Um, now, Russell Norman, he has just um, he's he's gone to Greenpeace. Now, do you see um, his new job at Greenpeace uh, having a negative impact on the party? I mean, the party over the years has done a lot to shake off its whole activism type um, f- f- uh, facade to the public. Do you, do you see that for him, for the ex leader of the party, going to which? A lot of people do see as is, is a bit to of an a, activist organisation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you see as is is, is a hindrance? Uh, no, I don't. No, I think uh, people do make the distinction between Greenpeace and the Green Party. Definitely do. Um, although when I'm out door knocking, people go, oh, "I'm already a Greenpeace member," so you know that's a little fuzzy sometimes. But uh, no, I think I think Russell going to Greenpeace is going to be really good for them. Uh, yeah, it's really oh. good for him, uh, and it's I think it's going to bring uh, a new dimension, and that's why they hired him. Yeah. Um, and for us, uh, I you know I think that you know like I said, people will see that uh, see that distinction, and they recognise that the Green Party uh, is growing, uh, and you know. It's going to have a more diverse caucus. So we've got Myra Davidson joining us. Mm-hmm. She is awesome. Yep. 
Uh, and so, um, you know, she's going to make a great contribution as our next MP. Yeah, what do you see her bringing to the party? Well, uh, Marama, um has got a strong background in human rights. And, you know, she's been a tireless advocate uh, for human rights. She lives in South Auckland, in Manurewa, so she's living alongside the communities that are doing it toughest under this government. Yeah. Uh, and so she's got first-hand experience there. Um, she's, uh, you know, a formidable wahine and, uh, you know, and a, m- a mother, so she has got a great deal of that kind of first-hand experience, which really does make a difference in Parliament. The people have actually got some life experience there. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I think she's going to make a great MP. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, right, so 2017, where do you see the Green Party? Where do you want the Green Party to be? Uh, well, at the end of the year, um, I would like the Green Party to be a significant part of a progressive government. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a significant part means you're going to be in a coalition. You're not gunning for the top? You're not, <laughs> I don't want a significant part. I want to be standalone government? Well, I'm, I'm all for ambition, <laughs> but you know you, you've got to be realistic as well, right? So, yep. um, you know, if by a significant part we're the lead party in in, in a coalition, that yep. would be great. That would be fine with me. That would be that would not be a problem. <laughs> now you've said in the past when it comes to this, you said in the past you can work with National on some things. Does that mean maybe 2017 you might be able to work with National in a coalition? I I think that is extremely <laughs> unlikely. I mean, if if you look at how far apart we are on key issues, climate change and inequality. Those are the big challenges facing New Zealand, and those mm-hmm. are the two things that National consistently refuse to work with us on. Yeah. So when I talk about working with National, uh, what I'm saying is, issue by issue, yeah. there are things that uh, that we can work on. We actually do vote well, together on, on some stuff. Could but you enter a confidence and supply agreement with them then? No. I, I'm, well, so first of all, it's not actually up to me. Yeah. Right. It's the, the Green Party itself makes that decision, and what we have said is that it is extremely unlikely that we would be able to enter into a coalition with National. My personal view on that is, is that the, is that the more time passes and the more this government carries about its business the way it is doing, the less likely that prospect becomes to, mm-hmm. to the point of, you know, impossibility. <laughs> well, just quickly, um, now you've your refugee quota. I mean, that's a, a big thing at the moment, um, and you have put um, through. There's been a bill that's gone through um, seeking to lift it from uh, seven fifty to a thousand yeah. a year. Um, is that really going far enough, or is this just a temporary little no. fix to get this through yeah. before the big talk next year? Yeah, it really was. So, so what? So Denise Roche put that bill in the ballot back in June, mm-hmm. uh, and it was before kind of public consciousness had really caught on about the scale of the Syrian crisis uh, and actually that the scale of the humanitarian crisis around the world with refugees and what and we said a thousand when we when we drafted the bill because we'd gone and consulted with the other political parties and we knew we had a parliamentary majority for a thousand mm-hmm. but no more yeah now that's obviously changed there's been a huge outpouring of public uh, s- support for increasing the quota to at least double the quota what we wanted to do last week when we put the bill up to say can we get this you know, in, into urgency, um, was to say, let's get into a select committee and let's hear some evidence and find out what New Zealand is actually capable of. Because what we know is that thousands of New Zealanders offered to host families, yep. they offered to pay for transportation and accommodation costs, you had um, existing refugee communities offer, offering to act as translators and support networks, you had businesses offering to hire uh, refugees. So... You know, the idea that we can only do 750 or only do 1,000 is completely fallacious. But we really wanted to get that bill into committee so that we could actually look at the facts and go, well, what are we capable of? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, this is capable in the short term, but long term um, housing, um, jobs, 
you know, can can we take in more than that? Um, you know, I mean, the thousands. As per usual with the 700, they bring up a family eventually as well. Yeah. You know, um, so there's more pressure on the school system. There's more pressure well, on, on, on the job, on the economy, um, in terms of jobs and whatnot. Yeah, but if you think about it, there's something like uh, 59,000 immigrants come into New Zealand every year. Mm, yep. Right. It, it's a it's a huge number of people that we absorb. Now we have also obviously we've got people leaving the country as well. But, um, you know, our population is growing, uh, and so the idea that we can only, you yeah. know, absorb a thousand people is, is kind of pretty absurd. And most of them are going to Auckland too, let's be honest. So, I mean... Yeah, so one of the things that we would need to manage is where you cite them. Yeah. I mean, Wellington, for example, is going to be taking quite a lot of the the, uh, the Syrian refugees under this emergency quota that the government's announced because it has an existing Syrian community and it's got some capacity to absorb it in a way that Auckland, frankly, at the moment does not. Yeah. So you talk about, yeah, we need to house uh, refugees. Actually, we need to house everyone. We have a massive housing shortage <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and it doesn't just apply to... An additional 250 refugees, it's about 75,000 people in Auckland. Yeah. Sorry, not 75,000 households that are looking for a home at the moment. So, uh, you know, that that is a particular crisis that we've got to deal with, and and frankly, refugees are a smallest part of that. Yeah. All right, we're going to have to leave it there, James. Thank you very much for joining me this morning. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, so what do you got in cards for today? Anywhere, anyone can uh, go out about and meet you? I'm going to be, you? well, I'm going to be sloping around campus yep. uh, quite a lot, so I'm going to be uh, doing a new product development and sustainability lecture uh, and then talking to a group of first years this afternoon so I'll be I'll be around campus. Okay so when's this lecture happening and where? Oh, oh, so people can get into you. Talk amongst yourself for 10 or 20 seconds while right. I find the precise details of that. Well after uh, James tells us where he's going to be this afternoon we're going to have a bit of news coming up shortly don't forget a little bit later on the show I'll be talking to a new group they're called Terrified I think they're calling themselves that because they're actually quite terrified of what they're going to do They've got no kind of idea, no clue. So it's going to be quite an interesting interview. Uh, tune in for that at 9.30. Okay, so uh, I'm going to be doing um, innovation and new product development, uh, Commerce Building 203, uh, and that's uh, John Knight's, Professor John Knight's class. Uh, and then this afternoon, I'm going to be with first-year business students uh, in 103, the St. David Lecture Theatre, uh, at 3.30. Brilliant. All right, thank you so much, James, once again. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure and entirely. Thank you.